0: Birds. Free, 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 free.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers Watchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com.
0: By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Video books An independent, family-owned bookstore sharing one of the largest selections of birding books in the world beautybooks.com and by Ocean State Bird
1: Club we're running new online talks about topics like owls and cuckoos to enhance your birding skills learn more by following us on Facebook and on our website OceanStateBirdClub.org Good morning welcome to our show number 821 Starting off with a couple of items from the Talking Birds email bag. One is from Kelly in Green Harbor, Massachusetts. She says, Hi, Ray. I put out Birdseed Daily on my walkway here. I get all sorts of beautiful birds. The doves were here already, and I noticed a red-headed dove with a pretty colorful body. I looked it up, and I believe it's a fruit dove. Kelly wondered if we'd seen any of these birds, and she says she's going to try to get a picture of it. We haven't. Well, the fruit dove would be a pretty remarkable sighting, I think, for anywhere in the U.S. It's native to Southeast Asia and Oceania, including Australia. And our best guess, as we've said to Kelly, is that this was likely an escaped cage bird, but quite a striking sight nonetheless. Thank you, Kelly. We also received a note and video. ...from Tammy in Mansfield, Connecticut... ...a video of Tammy and a blue jay... ...out on her deck... ...with the blue jay enthusiastically eating the food that Tammy provided. Nothing unusual there yet... ...but then Tammy finds that she can get very close... ...to this blue jay... ...and she begins to... ...pet... ...the blue jay... ...stroking its feathers as the blue jay continues eating... ...apparently not bothered at all by this unusual human interaction... The video suggests, by the way, that the blue jay was quite healthy, at least judging by its appearance and appetite. And that observation seems to be supported by the fact that a few moments later, the bird flew away. <coughs> our Freya McGregor suggests maybe this blue, day, blue jay was hand-raised by somebody. In any case, you can check out this uh, pretty amazing video on our Facebook page. And uh, if it's not there yet, shortly on our TalkinBirds.com website, definitely worth a look. That would be the sound of our mystery bird. It's a small, mostly gray songbird with a short stubby bill, a short crest on the head, and a medium to long tail. Our bird inhabits the warm, dry oak woods of the west. From southern Oregon to Baja, California... Feeding primarily on insects, which it gleans from bark and the foliage of trees. That's a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along in just a little bit. And the prize includes a beautiful big bag of shade-grown, bird-friendly, birds and beans, coffee, our favorite coffee around here. Plus a Joel Yankee's bottoms-up 16-inch finch feeder, perfect for those wintering finches that may be visiting your yard goldfinches as well and chickadees and woodpeckers and nuthatches. prizes there in our mystery bird contest coming along just a little bit later in the show and now if we may a royal salute please
2: <music>
1: saluting more talking birds ambassadors who are helping us get the word out about the joy and the wonder of birds and the importance of uh, preserving our planet. And thank you to Kimberly Mutu from Pacifica, California. She says, I've taken many wonderful birding classes with Golden Gate Audubon, but live in San Mateo County, just south of San Francisco, so I joined Sequoia Audubon and completed the Christmas bird count with the team. I'm also a water bird docent at Alcatraz Island National Park. But we will have to wait until summer 2021 before the park will let us return. She says, thanks for the topics you cover and especially the connection to ecology. And she says, because of you, I now carry a small garbage bag and gloves in my backpack to pick up trash while birding. And we call it plurting Thank you so much, Kimberly, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador and for all your other contributions to the show and thank you to judy lethbridge from castleberry florida judy says i've been a animal and nature lover my entire life in fact i'm a certified veterinary technician who's been working in the veterinary field for 35 years and my road to becoming a birder was through photography being a nature lover, I wanted to photograph the outdoors, and my inherent attraction to animals led me to start photographing birds. That was when my natural curiosity took over, and I needed to know more about the subjects. And a birder was born. That is so cool. Thank you, Judy. Judy posts, by the way, her beautiful avian images on Instagram at Feathered Florida. Thank you so much, Judy. For that and for becoming the Talkin' Birds ambassador. and Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll consider joining Judy and Kimberly and our many other ambassadors in helping us get the word out about birds and conservation. Just go to our website, TalkinBirds.com, to sign up and click on the Get Involved button there at the top of the page. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with the Owl Research Institute's Denver Holt out in Charlotte, Montana. Plus, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor on Cape Cod in our Let's Ask Mike segment about the arrival of red-winged blackbirds and other signs of spring. And up next, a bird with really long legs and kind of a football-shaped body is our featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. One place to look for storks is in mythology. Greek, Chinese, and European myths portray the stork as bringing good luck, the season of spring, and of course, babies, with that last myth associated with the white stork of Europe and popularized by a 19th century Hans Christian Andersen fable. Meanwhile, a good place to look for today's featured feathered friend, the wood stork, would be along the coasts of Florida, as well as Georgia and South Carolina. The wood stork is a large, mostly white wading bird, about three feet tall with a five-foot wingspan. It has a black tail and black flight feathers. The bill is long and thick, with a downward curving tip. Its legs are gray-black, and its flesh-colored feet become pinkish in the males in breeding season. Thanks to its dark gray featherless head and neck, the bird has earned the nicknames Flinthead and Ironhead. The wood stork forages in standing water for fish, amphibians, and crayfish by holding its bill open just under the water's surface and snapping it shut when prey is detected. It's easily separated from herons, ibises, and egrets thanks to its hefty bill and its large size. Yours truly first spotted a wood stork at the Corkscrew Swamp Sanctuary in Florida when one soared on wide, outstretched wings high above, like a silent fighter jet. And the bird usually is pretty quiet, except in the breeding colonies, where the nestlings make quite a racket. myteria Americana, the Wood Stork. Today's talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. <laughs> Welcome again to our show, number 821. And if you missed that website address, we hope you'll check it out at TalkinBirds.com. Yes, no G in talking. Denver Holt is a leading owl expert and the founder uh, and president of the Owl Research Institute in Charlotte, Montana. He started that institute more than 30 years ago. The institute today, one of the premier owl research centers in the world... And Its founder and president joins us on the phone right now. Good morning, Denver. Good morning, Ray. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And thanks for telling me when we spoke on Thursday about the amazing sightings you had there. I want to see if I have this number right here. 75 short-eared owls in one day? Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, we had two groups. You know, we've. Uh, so we went out there just checking on them, and one of the ranchers had seen some. And, anyhow, yeah, long story short, the first group came up was about 30, and the second group about 45. <laughs> but, you know, it's been that way this winter here. Hmm. Uh, the hunters who have been, you know, out in the fields hunting ducks and pheasants and geese have been jumping groups of 15 to 20 to 30 short everywhere. We hmm. probably saw, there's probably 200 short ears around right now. And, um, yeah, hard to say why. Are they moving through? Hmm. There's a lot of holes, so they might be just hanging out for a while. And Yeah, it's the uh, onset mm-hmm. of the breeding season for us here right now. I mean, it's snowing, sure. but the great horned owls started nesting about 10 days ago, and um, we're starting to hear some of the owls singing.
1: Wow. So great horned owls, really, I guess, the first owls to nest, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. This year in particular is interesting. We had our really first cold snap. About a week ago, so on the tenth of February, right roughly we think she decided nest. It was you know maybe zero degrees out, hmm. and it went down over the next couple of days to twenty seven below. And she's sitting on eggs. And wow, they're sitting right there, and roosting right near her and feeding her at night.
1: What an incredible thing to be able to incubate eggs in that temperature. But uh, I guess I they're, they're they're used to it. They've done <laughs> they've done it before. Wow. Yeah. So the That's owl. recently... Sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, just, I just saying to say, it's pretty neat adaptation, they're able to do it. You know, only female owls incubate and brood the chicks, mm-hmm. males provide food and protection, so they each have their roles, and, uh, and they, you know, they adhere to it, it seems to work pretty good.
1: <laughs> so far, so good. So the Owl Research Institute, you founded it 30 years ago, and research, conservation, education, the three kind of pillars of, uh, of what you do, could you give us a quick overview? Denver, about those yeah, three things.
0: Sure uh, that that that's correct. You know that's how how we've got it geared up. But you know I would have to say it's more for selfish reasons in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, be a field researcher, and you know and I, without offending all my friends, eventually what happens if you get out and get a job after college or whatever, you end up on a desk for the most part. You know whether you're a profit to you or for state or federal agencies and most of your life is an administrative biologist you know you don't get to get out in the field and i wanted to just be like the construction worker of you know wildlife biology <laughs> do field research and so that's what that's how it started we do long-term field studies which is rare anymore and um multiple you know large sample sizes multiple projects and and uh, i don't know we're, we're pretty well known just for that but as well as our ability to communicate uh, from education standpoint, and then provide information about conservation and management. So the long-term research is the key, though. Mm-hmm.
1: So, and you have a, do you have a podcast? I, I, I'm not sure where I read that.
0: Yeah, we got all kinds of stuff. You know, other people have <laughs> that. I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of like the grunt, you know, I go out and do the field work. But I have, you know, some young people that do Facebook and Instagram, and mm-hmm. I don't know about a podcast. I don't think I don't think we have one of those, but I'd have to ask Kellen and Liberty, they would know.
1: Okay. You can check. (laughs) Get back to us on that.
0: Yeah. I I just, like, I just report to, like, my staff, Mm -hmm. and they do the rest.
1: Okay. But you do have films, right? Owl Notes.
0: Yeah. We did this with Dan Cox. out of Bozeman. We've done a number of years of work with him. You know, we would cover National Geographic sometime back, and he did all the... The photo essay for Geographic, and we've done some of the other stuff. So Dan and I, and our team, have been working on these owl podcasts. Um, you know, more from a research slash education slash conservation standpoint.
1: Okay, and I want to recommend your newsletter to people. It's an annual newsletter called The Roost, and that is uh, that is pretty cool. I'll give the website address here, and I'll, I'll give it again at, at the end just to make sure. But it's Owl Research Institute. .org, pretty easy to remember. And uh, one other thing, uh, Denver, you are not only an expert in owls, but uh, I'm told also pretty good with owl mimicry. I wonder if you might give us a couple of examples here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have coffee here, so we're lucky here, and I've got I can, you know, kind of use the liquid to help me get through this. Uh, you know, one of the ones that I always enjoyed, because I grew up in Massachusetts in Belmont, Mm-hmm. And I started my early years running around listening for Eastern Screech Owls. Mm-hmm. And so I kinda of started mimicking instead of taking tapes off. So but anyway, here's my Eastern Screech Owl if anybody likes it. Okay. learned to do that you
1: know if there's any any around here they'll be approaching our studio any minute i'm sure go ahead sorry
0: and then uh the boreal you know is another really nice one And actually we do the boreal surveys it's kind of neat you know you're out there and yeah, right about now, this time of year, March or so, when they start tooting a little bit, but you're on five or six feet of snow snow, it's freezing, and nothing to do, and you hear that kind of hollow whistle in the mm-hmm. distance. It's actually kind of pretty. Borum. Yeah, you count satellites and learn the constellations while you're at each station doing <laughs> your survey.
1: Pretty cool. Hey, while we still have just a little bit of time, I know people are intrigued, certainly with... Having owls, if they're in the right place, maybe in their yard or close by their yard, I wonder if you could offer a couple of tips about providing boxes or nests for owls, and where people might find more info about that.
0: Yeah, you know, we get a lot of um, emails and text messages on you know on that, and so we just try to say it's pretty easy to build an owl box, but you can Google the dimensions and stuff mm-hmm. anytime. But yeah, it's you know for a few people, and I grew up in Massachusetts that you know were interested in having them in the backyard. We just made these little owl boxes, got the dimensions somewhere back then, probably in the literature, and um, put the screech owl boxes up. And in every case, a screech owl came yeah. to someone's backyard and took up residence. It's it's really pretty simple to do. Mm-hmm. And sure. so, uh, and you know what you want, you know if you get out to the vineyard, you know way back when I used to work in Massachusetts, uh, they put up barn owl big barn owl, you know, boxes, slash mm-hmm. I think they're kind of like trunks, and they are very successful, and I know they've done it in Florida. So it's really not not too hard a thing to do, and you can Google dimensions for the species you're interested mm-hmm. in and just pay attention to it. And very often you get a speech out in your backyard or your kitchen window, depending where you want to want to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we study boil owls in the nest boxes that were put up by the foresters years ago. So it's pretty simple. And mm-hmm. the upside it's a nice hobby and Maybe the downside, if you are dependent on it, then maybe you're not identifying the natural nest sites that are needed for things like Mm -hmm. boreals and saw and sweet owls. So we try to find the natural sites and then identify the characteristics that would be important. Mm -hmm. So there's a trade off there. Mm -hmm. Easy access, great information in the boxes, Mm -hmm. but maybe you're not telling resource managers what to save for snags and dead trees Mm -hmm. and things like that. for have any nesting owls that are dependent on those. Mm
1: Denver Holt Holt is a leading owl expert and the founder and president of the Owl Research Institute in Charlotte, Montana, and he's a construction worker of the field ornithologist (laughs) world. (laughs) Denver, thank Thank you so much, and I would love to have you come on the show again uh, before long. Okay, I
0: hope it was worth it to you. It was indeed.
1: Thank you so much, Denver. That website, again, is the Owl Research, not the, but Owl Research Institute .org really worth looking at. Up next here it's our mystery bird contest in just 1 minute. Birdio Books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology, from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Birdiobooks.com B U T E O Birdiobooks.com
0: Oh, My name is Leona Matais and I am calling from Elliott Lake, Ontario. Being a Talkin' Birds ambassador gives me the opportunity to talk to other people about birds and because I'm disabled, about being a disabled bird or what the problems are. But mostly it is just being able to talk about something that we both really like, which is birds. Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassador's family at TalkinBirds.com.
1: Our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics gear and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. And here's the sound of our mystery bird. Our mystery bird is a small, mostly gray-brown songbird with a short stubby bill, a short crest on the head, and a medium to long tail. Our bird inhabits the warm, dry oak woods of the West, from Southern Oregon to Baja California, feeding primarily on insects, which it gleans from bark and the foliage of trees. Clues there in the sound of our mystery bird, and our prizes include a big 12-ounce bag of delicious, shade grown bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. It is good. And Droll Yankees' big bottoms-up 16-inch Finch feeder that comes with the Droll Yankees lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. It can be hung or pole-mounted. Those are the prizes. And the number to call is 781 837 4900 we urge you to make your call as soon as you can, so we'll have time at 781-837-4900. As always, if we don't get a correct answer, we'll do a drawing and choose a winner from among those uh, nearly correct answers received. Again, it's 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, Mike O'Connor has some songs, or not some song, but some signs of spring. It's Let's Ask Mike in just one minute the flutter of a tail feather the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight you don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature let alone to appreciate its beauty but with vortex optics you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer when you choose vortex you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to cross a few species off your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you want to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit VortexOptics.com. It's Let's Ask Mike Time with the one and only Mike O'Connor from the legendary Bird Watcher's General Store uh, there in Orleans on Cape Cod. Uh, Good morning, Mike, and happy uh, early spring to you. I know it's only February, but we're seeing the signs, right?
2: A little bit, yeah, yeah, we are seeing the signs. I I know you talked a little bit about the red wings. I've had red red wings in my yard, yeah, and they have been people, customers report them calling, especially if they go near near some marshes. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, in the old days when we were growing up, we said, oh, the robins are the first sign of spring. But to me, it's really the red wings. They come back this time of year, and they're very vocal almost right away. So where we live, we have robins year-round. Even even the dead of the winter, but the red wings are gone, and now that they're back, it's a sign of spring. And people are also reporting woodcocks. Wow! So if you um, live near an open field, even now, and it's a nice night, they'll be out there displaying. Stop by an open field someplace, and you'll hear that crazy call that they make and that elaborate display, and that's a sure sign of spring. And with that, the birds. Even if you get up early on a nice morning, you hear the chickadees and the. Pit mice and the Cardinals calling, and they're getting starting to spread out their territory. It's not not hard and fast yet, but mm-hmm. on a nice day they start calling, and you can hear, you know, the the you know that little chickadee call. That and was uh, an excellent uh, imitation. Oh, a yeah. was... <laughs> little birds they okay. call. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so it, well, it's a, when it's nice weather, they'll kind of jump the gun, and then they'll kind of drop back again, won't they, if it gets cold again.
2: Right. If it turns nasty, they just shut it down, and they say, okay, well, that's enough of that for a while. But with that in mind, if it's a nice day, they're, they're out looking at birdhouses. So if you mm-hmm. have a birdhouse that you you had out last summer, and you didn't even clean it out in the fall, and if even if you did, I would get out there on a nice day because there's not going to be a lot of nice days. You know, it's kind of hit and miss, mm-hmm. and it takes you 10, 15 minutes to go through... make sure it's all cleaned out and ready to go because the birds I've had chickadees going in and out of boxes now and so I've had mine cleaned out and even if you cleaned it out in this in this last summer or last fall mice can move in and things can move in over the winter time so you want to have it going because a lot of people will say well I put out a box but the birds didn't use it and I'll ask them if they've looked into it and you know check it out and then well no but you see so it's Mm -hmm. it's a good especially with you know we get a break in the weather I'm I know you have a wide listening audience, but here in New England, after today, we're going to have a nice stretch of weather, so it'd be a good yeah. idea to do that.
1: When you're cleaning out the houses now, is it just enough to s- kind of sweep them out, or you, should you be disinfecting them?
2: Yeah, way? that's what I do. I mean, I've read you know people where they put a little a mild bleach solution, and mm-hmm. and that's fine. Um, you can do that, but then air it out really well first, uh, and, and rinse it out really well. Mm-hmm. But I don't. You know, I don't push that because if I can get people just to clean out the mess, um, I feel like I've accomplished something because other people can't do that. So, yeah, yeah, and, you know, wear gloves and just clean up the stuff out. It'll be fine.
1: Thank you, Mike. Talk to you later. All right, Mike O'Connor at the Birdwatcher's General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod.
2: Birdwatching Magazine has a new membership program. Benefits include detailed bird ID articles from Ken Kaufman and David Sibley, tips and stories about bird photography, Access to quarterly e-workshops on identifying and photographing birds and complimentary print and digital subscriptions to Bird Watching Magazine. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com slash memberships. By the way, that was
1: red Wing blackbirds that Mike O'Connor was talking about there. But up in Maine, they've been seeing a bird called the red wing It's a European bird, so causing a lot of excitement up there. And there's a thing from WGME there just a few days ago still reporting on this bird. So maybe it's still up there. Our friend uh, Doug Hitchcocks from Maine Audubon says this bird is special because it's essentially on the wrong side of the Atlantic Ocean. Back to our mystery bird contest. This is a long way from the Atlantic Ocean as well out on the West Coast. A small, mostly gray-brown songbird with a short stubby bill, a short crest on the head, and a medium to long tail. Our mystery bird, what is it? Ethan is in Illinois somewhere. Good morning, Ethan. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Whereabouts in Illinois, if you care to say? Uh,
2: Sandwich, Illinois, so the northern part.
1: Northern Illinois, all right. What about our mystery bird then, Ethan? I'm
2: going to go with the western kingbird.
1: Western kingbird, and our panel says... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i guess they're not buying it ethan but that's it's a, a bummer thank you all right thanks so much give us a call again all uh, right ethan there in uh, sandwich illinois uh, not quite nailing our mystery bird let's try andrew somewhere in virginia good morning andrew
0: um hello
1: <laughs> hello how are you andrew good all right good let's get on to it right what is our mystery bird an oak titmouse. An oak oh, titmouse is right. I can't say that, but it is correct. Oak titmouse is right. That's pretty good. Did you figure that out on your own? Any help? Or what, how, how'd you get that?
0: Um, My dad
1: helped me a little bit. A little bit. Okay. But you mostly did it yourself. Well, that's nice. Good job, Ethan. And if you'll stay on the line, we'll uh, arrange to send you those beautiful prizes. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I think I called him uh, Ethan. No wonder I'm, conf- I'm confusing. It's Andrew. Yes. Yeah, sorry about that, Andrew. I got the bird name uh, mispronounced and, and got your name wrong. So I'm off to a good start. But the show is almost over, so I'll be okay. Thank you again, mm-hmm. Andrew. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> that is about it for our show this morning. And uh, maybe, a, maybe a good thing that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Next week, we'll talk about owls again, but this time in connection with an ongoing dispute between birders in Central Park, New York. Plus, we'll get some conservation news from Washington, D.C., Detroit, Michigan, and Claremont, France, along with more Mike O'Connor birding advice from Cape Cod and some thoughts on diversity and inclusion in birding from our Freya McGregor down in Tuscaloosa Alabama. So we'll be all over the place uh, next week on our show. We hope you'll uh, tune in and be with us uh, for that. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, our senior producer, Debbie Bleacher, our outreach coordinator, Freya McGregor, special assistant, Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. (laughs) Hawking Birds. Sweet, 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 sweet. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com.
0: By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And UDA Books. An independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. VideoBooks.com, And by Ocean State Bird Club.
1: We're running new online talks about topics like owls and cuckoos to enhance
0: your birding skills. Learn more by following us on Facebook and on our website, OceanStateBirdClub.org.